0: We'll get started. <laughs> Come on! This side is obedient. This side
1: right. is right. rebellious. Right. This is right. <laughs> right. wow! It uh, it is it's great to be together. Uh, I'm glad that we're all together. Amen. 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 Uh, and it, it is so great to be here. Uh, we we were up earlier in the spring uh, this year, and we just enjoy being with all of you, and to hang out with the leech, to hang out with all of you is it's a real treat for us. Uh, so thanks for having us back and not banning us from Burlington. Um, and and you know especially it's great when you have friends in in good places, and so to have friends in Burlington, Vermont in the fall. It yeah, great. We came up and we did the hall thing yesterday. Yeah, you know, right, we, right, we right. went to the yeah. farmer's market, and them, had yeah. some great breakfast sandwiches and so forth. And then we went to the, a corn maze, yeah. and That's Kayla right. led us through yeah, the corn maze successfully. Right. <laughs> and so she was the captain of the team. And, yeah. and just yeah. to be up here mm-hmm. and to be, again, to be uh, with all of you is a real treat. Awesome. So, We we enjoy it very much. If we would, let's grab somebody's hand next to us. Grab someone's hand, let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is such a privilege to be in this room where you are right now. Your presence is with us. And Father, we pray that what we are about to do, which is open your word, God, that we don't take this lightly, uh, but that we take it with a reverence and an awe of who you are and that you the creator of the universe are speaking to each one of us right now Mm -hmm. speak to our hearts and Father however we came in help us draw closer to you and help us leave here different than how we came in Father thank you for your word which is living and active thank you so much just for the hands that we hold right now Mm It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah. Um, and so we are, I know in a sermon series here, I think last week Richard started it, right? Uh, faith inspired by dot dot dot, fill in the blank. Uh, and I know he talked about faith inspired by God's reputation. Um, which, amen, that's fantastic. And, but there, you stop and you think, faith inspired by what? Well, there's a lot of things that could inspire our faith. Right, God's word inspires our faith. Right, God. Without God's word, we we wouldn't have faith. Mm -hmm. Faith, you know, builds up the word for us. Um, But and there's so many things that could. What inspires my faith? I'm sure we could get just as many answers as we have people in the room. One thing for me that uh, that inspires my faith is when I do see God work. When I see God move. Uh, and I love the psalm, Psalm 66, verse 5. The psalmist writes, Come and see what God has done, how awesome His works, in man's behalf. And so the psalmist is, almost, is encouraging, Come! Come, Margaret, come! Come and see what God has done. Not what we've done, what God has done. How awesome are His works, in our behalf. Yeah. And to me, that's just, that's amazing. And so, you could say, you could sum it up with all of that by saying, miracles inspire faith. Even as the scripture was read this morning in the Welcome about, you know, how these miracles happen so that you may believe. Mm -hmm. Miracles inspire faith. Seeing God move inspires faith. Mm -hmm. Let me, I want to just open it up for a second. What is one of your favorite miracles in the Bible? Mm. You only get one. <laughs> Which one? What's the first one that comes to my Favorite miracle for you? What is it? Parting of the Red Sea. Parting of the Red Sea. Okay. Oh, you just stole several people. <laughs> okay. So why? Uh, because it's it's such an indicator of God's amazing mm-hmm. power to move that much water. I mean, hold the jug of water mm-hmm. and then figure out how much water that weighs to hold back a whole sea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just dry land and thousands of people are able to buy it's just it mm-hmm. Cut. Yeah. So, a child offering his lunch to feed the crabs. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's amazing. What else? Oh, I I the fire? Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. Right. I love that one. Yeah. What else? What's another one? <coughs> I Think of Jesus healing like the centurion's servant, and, like the faith of like you don't even need to go there mm. and see him. You can yeah. do it from here, and I'll go home, and I know he's healed. Yeah. And he was at that very moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus healing the disbelieving dad's son and Mark. That like the dad's like Jesus is like you gotta believe. He's like I do, but help. Like, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah definitely. Margaret. Jesus Turning water into wine. Turning yeah. water into wine. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> he just made the party better, right? right. <laughs> yeah. He walking in the water. Walking on the water. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And then telling Peter, Yeah, come on now. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. And Peter <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Name and being healed of leprosy. Yes. Name and being healed of leprosy. Dip yourself how many times? Seven. Not six, not eight, seven. You yeah. know. Mm. Yeah. Amazing. And we could go on and on and on. Yeah, one more. The obvious one. Resurrection. Resurrection. Okay. Death. Yeah. Something that's dead, come back to life. And all of these that we just Share. They display the power of God. Come and see what God has done. Look at the Red Sea. Come and see what God has done. You know, look at look at the wedding that day. Look at Naaman. Look at the you know the resurrection and whatever it may be. It displays God. And when we see God, when at least for me, when I see God at work, my faith increases. Mm And so, today we're going to continue this series, Faith Inspired By, and we're going to look at a miracle today that you might, at first glance, you would say, I don't, where's the miracle? I don't really see a miracle. But we're going to uncover what the miracle is and see how does that apply to Burlington today. Yeah. So open your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 8. In Nehemiah chapter 8. And we'll we'll pick it up here in the beginning of verse 1, chapter 8. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the scribe, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon. That's, that's a longer church service than we're used to. As he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. All the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood a bunch of Israelite men that I won't butcher their names. Verse 5, Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen! Amen! Then they bowed down and they worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And and he, he talks about how they read the book of the law in verse 8. They read the book of the law making it clear, giving meaning to it so that the uh, people could understand what was being read. I like that even that back then people helped people understand God's word. Yeah. Same thing today, right? Verse 9, the Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law down in verse 12 or verse 11 the levites uh, calmed all the people down by saying be still for this day is sacred do not grieve in verse 12 then all the people went away to eat and to drink to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy and we can just stop right there and so and picture this scene everybody They've just finished completing the wall. Everybody comes together. And so think of the hundreds or thousands that are there before. And they're listening to Ezra. And everyone comes together to celebrate uh, the, the completion of the wall around Jerusalem. And there's so much emotion. He opens up the book of the law. And everyone just naturally stands up. Why? Because... This is the Word of God. Mm -hmm. And so, there's this emotion. Everyone stands up. When he praises God, all of them lift their hands and shout out, Amen! Amen! Mm -hmm. And then, they're just, again, so filled with emotion. What do they do? He doesn't say, everybody get down on your knees. They just just naturally get down mm -hmm. and just praise God. Mm -hmm. And and they're crying. They're weeping. Uh... You know, and they have to be reminded, guys, this isn't a sad time. This is a happy time. This is a celebration time. Now, to get a better understanding of why was this emotion like this and why the celebration, you have to you know, look a few chapters earlier to get the context of what's going on if you're in chapter 8. So let's go back to chapter 3 of Nehemiah. And let's look at some things. Chapter 3, begin in verse 1. Elisha, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zikur, son of Emery, built next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassaniah. And they laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Miramoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Hechoes, replaced or repaired, uh, next, the next section. Next to him, uh, Meshulam, the son of Bechariah, the son of, uh, Meshe, uh made repairs. And next to him, uh, Zadok, son of Banna, may also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa. But their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervision. And, and we could keep reading that, you know, the, the, the next gate was repaired by so-and-so. Next to them, it was repaired by the Gibeon. Next to them, it was, and on, and on, and on. And we don't have time to read the whole chapter, uh, but I want us to just give it, read it enough to paint a picture for us as to, okay, well, what's, what was going on here? And the Israelites come together to do this amazing work, and they rebuild the walls, as we know, in how, how many days? 32? 52? 52 days it takes to rebuild mm. the walls. And for many of us, how many know this story a little bit? It's a sort of a familiar story. People know the story. It's inspiring. It's even miraculous. Right. So I want us to just think for a moment, what was the miracle? In this story. Let's just define a miracle first. A miracle is this. An effect or extraordinary event in the physical world that surpasses all known human or natural powers and is ascribed to a supernatural cause. It goes on to say, such an effect or an event manifesting or considered as the work of. Of God. Okay, so if that's a miracle, what was the miracle in this story? Was it that they built it uh, and the entire rebuilt the entire wall of Jerusalem in 52 days, in just less than two months? Hmm. I don't think I don't know about that. You know, it's a tremendous accomplishment that they built it in 52 days, but I don't see that as much of as a, a miracle. I think finishing the work was a matter of effort. It was a matter of materials. It was a matter of time. Had they finished in 24 hours, we'd go, whoa, God, that was awesome. 52 days. Okay, that's amazing. But I don't know if that's really considered a miracle. So I think when I look at this and I think, what was the extraordinary event that surpasses all known human or natural powers... That we can only attribute it to the work of God. Here's the, I think, here's the miracle I see, and I see several going on here. One, approximately, if you read Nehemiah, approximately 41 different groups, or family groups, if you want to say, working together in amazing unity to do something that they would have never done based on their own backgrounds, their own job titles, their own positions, their own places in life. They would never, these 41 different groups yeah. would never have come together to do this. It's high priests working alongside, you know, regular people. It's people from Jericho working on one section, while people from Gibeon working on the section right next to them. It's one ruler who's working alongside with his daughters. It's goldsmiths are involved. They're helping to repair the wall. Merchants, temple servants... Perfume makers are mentioned in building the wall, yeah. all working to repair their own section of the wall. And you and look who's who's the leader of this group? Hmm. Guy named Nehemiah. Yeah. What did he do before this? He was cupbearer to the king. Right. Ooh, that sounds like a grill construction project kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> cupbearer <clears throat> to the king. In, again. There wasn't an Army Corps of Engineers here. There wasn't you know, any kind of masonry workers and carpenters. People who, while well, we do this for a living, move aside, we'll rebuild your wall for you. Not at all. This was, this was everyday, mm. ordinary people. I don't even see carpenters listed right. amongst yeah. all these tribes. Mm-mm. And so I think the people come together all from different backgrounds, different strengths, different weaknesses, And they join together to do something great. They join together to do something that they have never done before. They've never even seen it done before. They haven't participated in anything like this before, yet they do it and they accomplish it. That's the miracle. And how do we know God's involved? Well, if you look at chapter 2, the very end, uh, Nehemiah's... Confronting or responding to some naysayers. And he answers them by saying, verse 20, the God of heaven will give us success. We will, we his servants will start rebuilding. And so we see this this taking place here, it's a supernatural, if you want to say, work of God, that all these different people from all these different backgrounds, who have no business building a wall, coming together, working alongside each other, and doing something they've never done before, and accomplish it. Mm-hmm. That's the miracle. And if you notice, and it's not a quick, easy, clean miracle, Mm-mm. by any means. It's it's the kind of miracle, I guess you could call it a messy miracle. Mm-hmm. Not only do we see great um, miraculous unity here, but we see it amidst adversity and hardship that we see this taking place. Uh, in, in chapters 4 and chapters 5, talk about that. Mm-hmm. Chapter 4, it's all this tremendous adversity from outside of their own people. Right. We've got... You know, chapter four, the neighboring communities all despised them for what they're doing. Uh, they had to work while they were ridiculed, dealing with ugly insults and negativity. They heard all of the naysayers and all the negativity, yet they kept building the wall. Chapters four, verse, in just, even one through three gives you a little snippet of what was going on there. They ridiculed the Jews, verse 1. Mm. What are those feeble Jews doing, verse 2? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble? And so we see this ridicule and this negativity uh, taking taking place. Um, and so they faced attack. Not only that, not only verbal, but they faced physical attack. Half the people were working while the other half were guarding against potential threats. Verse 9 of chapter 4 But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. And it says later on in verses 17 and 18 that people were even they would carry the materials for the wall in one hand and a spear or a sword in the other hand. So not only do I not know how to build a wall I've never built it before. I'm a perfume maker, let's say. But okay, now I've gotta build a wall literally with one hand because I gotta hold the spear in the other hand. And so this adversity taking place. Sleeping was difficult because the people had to guard by night and work by day. Look at verse twenty two of chapter. Five. This is this is Amazing. Have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so that they can serve as guards by night and workmen by day. Wait, when do they sleep? Right. Oh, that's, that's, uh, that's down on the priority list. Uh, the people were tired. Verse 23. Look at this, too. Here's what Nehemiah says. Neither I nor my brothers nor my men, not the guards with me, took off our clothes. Each had his weapon, even when, when he went for water. Yeah, so this is a smelly, messy miracle. Uh, yeah. 52 days, and you're not changing clothes at all, and you're working to build, rebuild this wall. And so it definitely uh, uh, they, they have this adversity from all around them, but not only outside, but they have adversity from inside. And in chapter 5, that's all about the adversity from within. They were finding it difficult to build the wall and yet provide food for their families. Right. And they had to pay the king's tax. And they had to pay all these usury fees and taxes. And so much so that their sons and daughters were being uh, enslaved to pay off their debt <laughs> to their own countrymen. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, build the wall. While your kids are being enslaved to pay off your debt that you can't pay, and so this this adversity from within is going on as well, and I just as I start looking through more and more of this story, you know, I think sometimes we can get, or I can get at least, and I sort of an idealistic view of miracles. Yeah, that it's just, well, you know, a miracle is somebody's in need and somebody's hurting or someone's sick or someone's dead, whatever it may be. And if you just come and touch, if you just come and pray over, if you just come and then, yeah, if you just put your staff right here in the water, whoosh, it happens pretty easy. But many miracles in the Bible aren't that way. A lot of the miracles in the Bible are complex and they're complex. Uh, think about Abraham. Uh, he said, you know, he, he, he's, he had children at what age? Abraham. 100 years old. When was he told he was going to have children? 75 years old. That's 25 years of waiting for the miracle to take place. During that 25 years, he had to go through a famine Fight a war, rescue his nephew Lot, and deal with a lot of other challenges. That's a crazy long miracle. Uh, Elijah announces that there's going to be no more rain. God does the miracle, prevents weather from raining in that area. Elijah, though, during this time, has to run for his life the entire time. He's in isolation away from family and friends. Uh, his closest friendship is with a widow who he finally says, Hey, could you give me a, a cup of water and a piece of bread? And she goes, no, I'm just going to get sticks to make a fire so that my son and I can have our last meal and then die. <laughs> That's just company. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the New Testament, Jesus heals the, the demon possessed man, right? In Mark chapter 5. That was a messy miracle. The guy was naked, and he was, couldn't change, couldn't keep him on him, and he's ah, 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 all over. And, and Jesus takes the demons, throws them into the pigs, pigs go in the water. Townspeople come out instead of saying, yay, hey, there's a few more people in town. Please, come. <laughs> what happens? No they were so afraid. They're like, please leave, please leave now. Not just to Jesus, but to the demon-possessed man. Who was sitting there dressed in his right mind? Oh, nice. They hadn't seen that before. You'd think they would have been like, hey, you've got a story to tell. Come, please help us. Right. No. Not at all. Um, it, think about this miracle. John chapter 5, the invalid who had been laying by the pool of Siloam for 38 years. Wow. 38 years he had been laying on this mat, unable <coughs> to be healed. Jesus goes, Do you want to get well? Get up, take your mat, go home. You ever stop and think, What did he do once he got up and left? Mm -hmm. What skills did he have to take care of himself, or to regain, re-enter life as as somebody who can now walk and do everything else? Thirty-eight years of laying on a mat. Right. Think about the guys who brought their friend, the paralytic, on the mat to Jesus, and they couldn't get to him, and you know, room was so crowded. Go up to the roof. They dig through it. Messy, dirty, you know, dust and debris all over. Jesus then not only has to deal with the distraction and the disruption, but he doesn't heal the guy right away. And that's what they want him to do. Your sins are forgiven. That's not why we came. And then all the the religious people, right? Jesus knows what's going on in their heart. So he's got to deal with that uh, before you know, the guy can get up and walk out of And so I bring all these examples up to just remind us, sometimes miracles in the Bible aren't just (laughs) done. Hmm. Isn't that nice? Sometimes miracles, not just in the Bible, but I think in our lives, are complicated. Mm -hmm. And they're messy. And they come with some adversity and some challenges. Mm -hmm. Um, And as you can see here in the Nehemiah story, it wasn't the perfect time. It was full of challenges. They didn't have the perfect people for the job. They just had regular people. How many people here have uh, done masonry work and carpentry work? Okay, you guys who have your hands up, you're, you're excluded. You can't be a part of the project. Everybody else, we're going to go build a wall. You, you know, that's the kind of people they had to, to deal with. Um, they faced challenges from without, challenges from... Mm-hmm. within. Um, yet an amazing miracle takes place. It was frightening. It was frustrating. It was discouraging. It was exhausting all at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, what we just talked about, that's the work of the church. Mm-hmm. It got, working, building God's church it's a complicated, messy miracle at times, isn't it? It's imperfect people from diverse backgrounds, different strengths and weaknesses coming together to build something they would have never done naturally on their own. Look around the room for a second. Look at each other. There's no reason for us to be together outside of Jesus or outside of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. No reason for us to stay together. What makes the story of Nehemiah such such a great miracle is that it was everyone's story. It wasn't just one person's. It was everybody's story. Everybody that was involved got to see God do something amazing. And not only see it, but participate in the miracle. Right. We read... uh, Celebration in Nehemiah chapter 8. But read it through the lens of chapters 3, chapters 4, and chapters 5. And all of a sudden you see, wow, why was there so much emotion? Right. Now you can see why. We understand why everyone was weeping and sobbing because it meant so much to them. Right. Mm-hmm. I invested my blood, my sweat, my tears. I lost sleep. Yep. All these different things that had to take place. My son had to be enslaved to pay off my debt because I was working on the wall. All these different things that that had to happen. Mm -hmm. And think about, you know, we can close our eyes and we can see the goldsmith standing side by side with a shepherd who stood next to a priest, who stood next to a perfume maker. All these people of different tribes to build this wall. You know uh maybe you've heard we're planting a church in in, uh north point it's called north point it's in lemonster-pitchburg area it's about 45 minutes north of worcester and we're planting this church up there and you know great okay who do you have on the team tom we've got 29 people roughly None of them moved there to be on a mission team. They were already there. None of them have ever been on a mission team to know what one looks like. Okay. The average age. Oh, they must all be young, ready to crank the ministry. No, the average age is probably 50 50 years old. Uh, We've got four campus students. But nothing that makes you, there's nothing about this group of 29 disciples that would make you look at them and go, now that's a mission team I want to join. None whatsoever. And they would, if I, that wouldn't hurt their feelings if they heard that. They'd be like, yeah, that's true. It's 29, 30 disciples, very regular people, everyday people. But here's, the, the miracle is going to happen. You know why? Why? God is going to be involved. Miracles happen when God gets involved. And God has already been working, uh, and they are so pumped up, and they are so excited about this church. And it's something that they've been dreaming about for so long. And so we have this North Point church that's going to be planted. But again, it's not your what you'd think of as a typical Oh, this is going to be a home run. I can see it already. Mm. No. Not necessarily. You know, in, in chapter 8, again, as we read, uh, it says, you know, all the people, they were celebrating and so forth, but there was one group that couldn't. Mm. That day when it was everyone was weeping and it was a no, it's a time to celebrate and rejoice. There's one group that couldn't. The nobles, who didn't put their shoulders to the work, as we read about. They couldn't participate in the celebration. They could observe the celebration. But they didn't leave their blood and their sweat and their tears on the wall like everybody else did. And so they could not participate. So, okay, Tom, what can we take away from all this? How does this relate to pumpkin spice coffee? I guess here's a couple things. One, I hope we leave here with a sense that what we have together right here is miraculous. And again, I know it's over time it's so easy to go to look and go, but I know her. But I know him. I don't see the miracle here. But again, look around there's a group of people building God's kingdom when if you weren't a disciple, you wouldn't be here building God's kingdom. The miracle is sitting in this room. What God has done, what God will do through you. And so, it's complicated. It's imperfect. It's frustrating at times. It it can be messy at times. But It's miraculous nonetheless. Right. And so I guess I pray that we leave here with a sense that what we are building here in Burlington is worth fighting for. Mm -hmm. And what we're building in Worcester is worth fighting for. Mm -hmm. And what we're building in North Point, this new church Mm planting, that it's worth building. Why? Because it's the kingdom of God. It's the bride of Christ. I think out of all the words that day when they celebrated the wall, I think all out of all the words you could choose, I don't think any of us would look at that wall and the word pretty would come to mind. Yeah. Probably not. I don't think it was pretty. But they were deeply proud of it. Right. I'm sure the perfume makers said, okay, that section of the wall smells good, oh. but you know, otherwise it's like, you know, all these people who don't know how to build a wall, build right. a wall right next to each other. And you get, that one smells good. You keep going, oh, you know, man. all the way on down the line. And so I don't think you'd look at it and go, Wow, that, that's plumb just right. Everything's perfect. It wasn't pretty. Mm-hmm. But they were proud of it. Yeah. Burlington. You might look and go, mm-hmm, it's not pretty. Nope. But are you proud of it? Proud of what God is doing in you, proud of what God is doing through you. Um, You know, I think it's easy to see the flaws. It's easy to see the cracks. It's easy to see the imperfections in ourselves, in another, in one another, and in the church. I don't know the Burlington church. You know, and if you're here long enough, you can start thinking, well, maybe, uh, uh, uh," and you start seeing all the negative. Instead of seeing the miraculous, and look what God is doing. And I know that you've given so much already to build it. Don't give up now. Mm -hmm. Don't stop building now. Campus students, you have your campus section of the wall. And singles, you've got your single section of the wall. And marrieds and marrieds with kids and marrieds without kids, you yeah. all have a section of the wall. Notice God doesn't say, hey, by the way, okay, I want you to build the entire wall. Yeah. That's overwhelming. No, but I want you to build this section to this section right yeah. here. And I want you to build this section to this section right here. Okay. You could do the same thing now yep. in the church. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, I'm sixty one. Me getting on campus Hmm. might look I could do it, might look a little odd though. (laughs) They might think, What's dad doing here? (laughs) Right? We were talking about that last night. Uh, But a campus student can relate to the campus student. young Mary can relate to the young Mary more than whatever it is. In other words, just focus on your section of the wall. So it doesn't get overwhelming. But give it everything you've got. Right. Give it a hundred percent. I want to close one passage, Hebrews chapter six. Let's close out here. I'm rambling on way too much. Hebrews six, ten and eleven. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. God is not unjust. God's not going to forget your work. Let me just speak to those who have been around a little while. Maybe... I've been in the, around 33 years and so maybe those who have been around a little while it's I know it's like oh, I'm getting tired mm. when is retirement? Mm-hmm. And we're not just talking from work we're talking from kingdom work. Mm. We can think that way we can get discouraged, we can get disillusioned we can wonder does any, does our work make any difference mm. <clears throat> We just went back to Cleveland a weekend or two ago for the 30th anniversary service. Mm -hmm. We had led the Cleveland church when Margaret was there, Mm -hmm. um, and and we led it for three and a half years. It's been around 30. We were just there for three and a half. Mm -hmm. And at the time, you're like, okay, yeah, maybe God did some things. Okay. But when we go back, you know, now years later, and you look, and you hear the stories and you hear people coming up that, boy, you know, I remember when you studied the Bible with me and converted me. And then I met sister or brother so-and-so. And now we're married. And now we've got kids. And then we, then we helped this happen. This group have become Christians. And this happened. And you mm-hmm. sit back and you go, wow. Yeah. God did so much more than I could even see. Yeah. And it was so encouraging to just step back and go, wow. Mm-hmm. To look at what God has done, what God is doing. And we got to just be, we just did our little three and a half year section of the Cleveland church. You guys, whether you've been here a month, whether you've been here 30 years, Mm -hmm. do this. God will not forget your work Mm -hmm. and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people. Continue to help them. Continue To build this wall. God as Jesus says. Is at his work to this very day. Do you believe that? I do. Just again. Look in this room. God is at work. And so to everybody I'd say this. Come and see. Burlington Church. Come and see. What God has done. How awesome his works. How miraculous his works. Here in Burlington. In your behalf. God has done it. God will do it, continuing going forward. Mm -hmm. Just work on your section of the wall and be proud of it. Mm -hmm. Because God is doing something. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen. We'll leave it right there for today.